Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. So, uh, so we talked about the Legion. The, there's a release coming out there. Uh, what, what else do we have uh, to look forward to from uh, from Beam Suntory? Uh, you know, the consumers, the, the fans. Uh, what, what's on the horizon that you can speak about? I mean, what should we be looking out for? So, I mean, we we have that great let's talk cocktails and things like that. And then we'll move across to, to actual whiskey, but we've got these amazing, um, ready to drinks or, or however you want to call them, right. The canned cocktail situation. So we, we release the, uh, beam and ginger and the beam and soda. So the, the two separate highballs that are in cans, um, you're going to see more of those coming out, not in like a mass pack kind of way. As we all know, people are moving towards that. It's just something that people really do enjoy. Um, and so we're keeping up with trend on that, but, um, we make sure that it, it is still to the standard of, of what we enjoy. So you'll see an apple, you'll see a peach. Um, when it comes to like, we've got, um, on the rocks, which is another, like we, we own on the rocks. So those are the the cocktails in a bottle. Um, you're going to see a couple more releases from them, which is really exciting because, you know, sometimes you don't feel like really buying all the things to make the cocktails and, that brand in and of itself was crafted by people who are in the industry. They were bartenders. They, they have a very high standard for what they believe a cocktail in a bottle can be and what it should be. Um, so I'm really excited. Like I am not gonna lie. There've been a lot of times where I just get home and I crack the, the Nog Creek old fashioned from on the rocks and pour it on, on the rocks and just sit and sip, you know, maybe garnish it with a cherry and an orange and, and call it a day. Nice. Um, so you'll see, you'll see a couple of those things coming out. Now, when it comes to the whiskey side of things, um, you're going to see, uh, Basil Hayden is going to have a release again next year. That's special and different. And I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet, so I don't want to touch on it, but when it comes closer to no, time, no, no. Hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's that? Oh, it's good. Okay. Keep it on Manage accordingly. <laughs> so, uh, but you will see, you'll see a, a, a really cool innovation coming out from Basil Hayden next year that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, Knob Creek, of course, is going to keep playing with uh, their limited time offerings. The 12 year, which is one of my absolute favorite things to come out of the distillery in a, in the last couple of years, for sure. I mean, we have some great stuff coming out, but there's something about Knob Creek is a brand, something that I really, really love and, and appreciate. I love the cherry barrels of Knob Creek. And I always really enjoyed finding the cherry barrels of our older single barrel selections. And I think we've really done that with 12 year, like 12 year captures that, that nice cherry barrel awesomeness. Um, so the fact that that's a permanent line extension is super exciting. Um, the 15 was a great limited time offering that we came out with. It's a little too oaky for me personally. Usually when you start to get into the, the older, whiskeys. I'm, I'm not always a fan. Um, that to be said, I mean, I'm still not going to turn it down, still enjoy it, but if I'm going to be picking something up, you know, that 12 years, definitely something that I enjoy. Um, and then, yeah, we're just, we're going to be, uh, 2022, 2023, you're going to see quite a lot coming out of our distillery. We have, um, you know, we're going to be reopening on Saturday, which is absolutely insane. You know, we've been closed for damn near two years at this point. Um, We've done five years of phase construction in the last 18 or so months. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, which is nuts, but it was the perfect opportunity. Like when, again, hopefully never, are we going to have this type of opportunity um, to really, yeah, right, um, to really just just take that time and, and do all of these different renovations. And so I had the opportunity was it yesterday, I think, yeah, yesterday I got to go through the facility and really see everything for the first time with new eyes, which is it's going to be really, really awesome. Um, I'm really excited to bring people down, but now we have the Fred Bino distillery that Freddie know our eighth generation family distiller and next in line as our master distiller, that is his place, um, you know, to do things like little book and, and all of the extensions that he wants to play with the, the different runs that we're going to be able to do, um, to find out if we like things right in a, in a smaller capacity that we can ramp up. So having that space and having this passion that Freddie has for figuring out what's next in whiskey and how we can push, you know, those real boundaries that we think of in bourbon and American whiskey, like how he can keep moving past that and, and do something new and exciting and innovative. I mean, he's called little book for a reason, right? I mean, that was his nickname. His whiskey is called little book for a reason. He is a little booker. Um, he affectionately <laughs> got that name. Get, you don't get to pick your own <laughs> nickname, right? No, you don't. No. That, mm. That came from Annis. So that's his grandmother. That's Booker's wife. I think a lot of times it was like in a little bit of frustration that she would be like, little book, right? Like you're just, you're just like your granddaddy. You're frustrating the hell out of me. Um, but it's one of those like beautiful things that definitely stuck through the years, but he really is. He, he spends a lot of time in the distillery the way that his granddad did not to say that Fred didn't do it. He definitely did. But Fred's existence is our master distiller has been through this bourbon resurgence, this bourbon renaissance, amping up production, growing these families that his father set forth with a small batch collection, um, really bourbon tourism, right? So, so crafting this experience for people to come to the home place, allowing for, you know, being out in market to talk about these things. Bourbon celebrity is kind of new in the era of Fred No. And so really navigating that space has been an amazing way for Fred to engage with folks. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to sit down with Fred, uh, he's one of the most fascinating, amazing people in the history of the world. Um, we have not, but if you know somebody that might uh, be able to line something up. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know how much he's doing right now. He's really enjoying this uh, this time with his uh, wife, uh, with his grandbabies. You know, I don't want to commit those anything. We're, we're, not, we're not rushing anything. Just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, we've got this, this craft distillery. We've got Freddie. We've got this passion. Um, that's really driving in, in this younger generation of folks in whiskey making. I mean, Freddie's 34, so I'm, he's the same age as me. Um, and the folks that are working with him are this younger generation of people who are you know, eager and really want to get out there and, and do something different and special, but still understand the history and the complexity of what got us to this point. And I think that that's a huge piece of what we do at the James B. Beam Distilling Company is authenticity, right? Like everything ladders back to, would this make our ancestors happy? Would they be proud? Like if we presented this to Jim Beam, would he be excited about the fact that this is what we're doing? And the fact that everything ladders up to, you know, when they say granddaddy, they're talking, usually when Freddie says granddaddy, you know, he's talking about Booker, but when Booker was saying granddaddy, he was talking about Jim Beam himself. So, you know, looking at that, that family lineage and, and what it's meant to have 227 years almost of, uh, of family history and have that, that just breath of knowledge and experience and, the honor of being able to continue that forward. I think it, it's not lost on anyone. And so I'm really, really excited to see 
what happens next. Yeah, which, which has got to be fun, right? I mean, the days of the, you know, I mean, other than, you know, your college years when it's like, uh, hey, can you get me a bottle? And it's like a bottle of wine. And it's like, I don't know, here's 20 bucks. Whatever you get me. What I fits mean, in the freezer? Yeah. Right? Well, but to, I mean, today it's like, you know, bourbon is cool, right? I mean, it, it's cool yeah. to drink. I mean, you, you, you rattle off some, uh, you know, years on the, on the planet and it's like, yeah, it's not it's not the old guys drink anymore. I mean, it could be could be the mature guys drink, but it also could be the guy that's uh, kind of good. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's it doesn't discriminate and it's to be enjoyed. So uh, a- absolutely. Uh, yeah. What what a blast this chat with you. This cherry barrels you're talking about. How much time do you mm-hmm. get to spend in the uh, in the Rick house? Is, uh, good? I mean, is it a thing? I mean, can you? You don't have to disclose uh, how it <laughs> happens, but I mean, it, how fun is it? to have access to, uh, to, to bump up to one of the, the Fred or Freddy's and be like, Hey, let's go through and let's go tasting some stuff. I'm super fortunate for the opportunities that I have. Um, when it comes to the, the cherry quote unquote cherry barrels, that's just a natural forming component inside of the aging process, right? It's, it's just one of the kind of products of aging in a barrel that can happen. So when we think about like single barrel specifically, right. Or just the aging process in general, you're, your distillate is important, right? Your yeast is important, especially for us. Our yeast strain was wildly caught in Jim Beam's yard in 1935, and we've been propagating it ever since. We're one of the only distilleries that I know of that propagates um, our our own yeast, right? A lot of people are using box yeast and things, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, they can have their proprietary yeast in that form, but for us, it's it's part of the process. It's what makes Jim Beam Jim Beam. It's that funky nuttiness that comes through. So earlier when you were saying nutty, I was like, I know it's brain simple. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's that funky nuttiness, and I say that very affectionately. Um, that pulls through as why you sip Jim Beam White Label, and you say, you know, this has a kind of peanutty quality to it. And when you sip uh, Black Label, it maybe has a little bit more of like a caramelized peanut, and then as you go into like bakers, you're going to taste a little bit more of a walnut or knob Creek is a little more of a candied pecan. Right. So, um, those are happening because of our yeast and our fermentation process and, and all of that. Now, those other notes that are coming through, yes, they're coming from the grains that are in the mash bill, but a lot of it comes from the wood, right? That characteristic that you're going to get that you really enjoy is probably from its time in the barrel. And so when you break down the barrel itself, that's 32 to 33 different staves around the outside that's coming from maybe 32 to 33 different trees with different tannins with, you know, different genetic makeups, which are going to react with the whiskey and the distillate in a different way. And so because of that, those chemical reactions are happening instantaneously and then throughout the, the aging process. And so what's happening is all chemical compounds and those chemical compounds in, in certain cases can give off cherry notes. And so finding those barrels that happen to react in the way that I, <laughs> my palate enjoys, right. Um, in this very, very special way is, is unique. And we, we catch it every now and again in the single barrel selection. So I've been incredibly fortunate to, to join a lot of people on those single barrel selections and, you know, pop those bungs and, and thieve the whiskey out and just kind of walk through this barrel strength whiskey process with people. And it's fun to find out what they are going to use it for, right. When they purchase these single barrels, is it going to be something that you, you and your guests sip neat or, you know, are you looking to put it in a cocktail? Are you looking, you know, how, how do you want this to really kind of translate? So 
Um, I, I've spent a lot of time in Warehouse K specifically, which is where we pick our Knob Creek barrels for people. Um, and then just getting to just sit with Fred and Freddie, it's been a little bit harder, obviously, over the past two years. We want to make sure that everybody stays safe and distance. And, um, you know, they've got Freddie has little ones running around and, and, you know, Fred is is wanting to be very health conscious. And so making sure that that I respect that space. But um, yesterday I got to sit down with with Freddie and a group of some folks and walk through some of the the innovations that we have coming that I'm not allowed to talk about, but eventually you'll find out about, <laughs> um, keep an eye on the TGV y'all it's coming. Um, so you're going to see things, uh, with different, different mash bills and, and different, um, just, just a lot of different stuff coming out. So getting those opportunities to sit with Freddie and, and have those conversations about what he tastes, where it came from, you know, what we're thinking about really growing my palate and, and how I articulate what it is that I'm tasting. Um, and, and how I talk about whiskey, you know, it, you learn from other people and find how they talk about whiskey and how you enjoy that experience. And then we all kind of come up with our own ways, right. To talk about it. I personally enjoy personifying my whiskey so when we talk about Kentucky hugs, right, the, the burn that people like to talk about, it's not a burn, it's a hug because burns are bad and hugs are good. <laughs> Some are just going to hug you like a whole hell of a lot harder than others. Um, but, oh, you know, by, by I, the way, I like... did you get my chat that I sent to you? The, it was about the that chat. Hug. It was about that hug. Was it? Yeah. Amazing. The hugs go off the rail because I talk to people like that's what I want. I want to know, like, if you personified your whiskey into a physical, actual hug, because Hopefully everyone's been hugged before. If not, like find a friend, ask for a hug. It's totally okay and acceptable. Um, <laughs> the appropriate context, but like, you know, those, that conversation then turns how people think about whiskey and talk about whiskey into a different direction. When you start relating it to everyday things or, or things of normalcy outside of the realm of whiskey, it makes people change the way that they think about it. And I think that that's really important because it's cool to geek out. It's, it's really awesome to nerd out with folks that are genuinely interested in nerding out. But as we were talking about before, like whiskey is for everyone. It's because of everyone too. And I think that that's a huge thing that we need to think about um, and make sure that we pay homage to because it is because of every type of person with every type of background that whiskey has succeeded in America um, and has come about, you know, every immigrant, every, you know, group of people, the people that were here long before us. Right. And they, they were growing the grains that helped us really create what we have. Like it is because of everyone that whiskey exists in America and it is for everyone of legal drinking age. Right. <laughs> like, so when you, when you have that, that thought process, you start to think about how do we relate to all people and what scenarios, right? And sometimes nerding out and being super geeky and very niche is, is warranted. But sometimes that just kind of ostracized people from getting into the category because they don't know how to talk about, you know, notes of leather and tobacco or, you know, they don't necessarily know how to speak to those things. So if you can pull it back and you can really just allow for people to, to speak from a place of comfort on their own whiskey journey, it allows for more people to come into the fold and, you know, Again, bourbon is for everyone. We don't want to. We don't want to kick people out. You know, drink it any damn way you please. If you want to, you want to put it on the rocks. If you want to make it in a cocktail, like I got so much shit for putting a like 1973 old granddad bonded in a cocktail. It was one of the best damn paper planes I've ever had. And I sipped it neat first. I, love, I, love I figured a, it I love out. A paper plane. Love a paper. Paper planes are top notch for me, man. Um, oh boy. But you know, <laughs> yeah. And some people are like, oh my god, I can't believe. Like how terrible. I'm like when am I ever going to get that opportunity again? I'm probably not right. Like this was a super special thing and, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, so I'm, I'm not a bartender. Uh, I just have, uh, I just drink a lot, but for a paper plane. So we got 
uh, whiskey, Aperol, lemon juice, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of bitter, maybe. What am I missing? Amaro. Oh, and, and, and yeah, and, and, uh, and an aperitif, right? Or, or uh, a vermouth. Yeah. Yeah. Amaro, Amaro specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so for me, it, it's Amaro Nonino is one of my favorite. Like, and I would drink that directly out of the bottle. It have is ever, delicious. Have you ever taken a trip over to, because a, a friend of mine, where I had the uh, vintage Campari, if you got to go, mm-hmm. so we had, I got a couple more, like, we got uh, some questions. You're fine. Again, so you let me let us know when you got to jump. Um, so have you ever taken a trip over to uh, Amaro country and kind um, of, yeah. Uh, okay. So a buddy of mine, um, uh, who, uh, a guy is working at, he worked at 1821. Now he's at ASW, another guy that's a friend of the show. So there's, there's some friends of the show that are going, I'm not going to be able to make the trip, but I would love to go, you know, like people, it's like, Ooh, I want to go do the bourbon trail. I want to go to mm-hmm. Napa. I want to go do, uh, I want to go to Tuscany. Uh, you know what? Like I want to go do the Amaro trail. I don't, I don't yeah. even think that that's what they call it, but I would, you can make one. I, uh, what? <laughs> You, you know somebody i mean but, no i'm just saying you make a trail you call it a trail just take your places yeah exactly but I, I think that would be so much fun to go over there because i mean that stuff dates like you think bourbon you think whiskey or bourbon's old i mean shit go back to that stuff i mean that's right. that, i mean that's real old. so I, I would love to uh to go on one of those adventures i think there's uh yeah and i again i think as you're talking about cocktails i think it really starts to help if you're trying to build cocktails and working on developing, you know, how do you go and where do you go next? I mean, you know, understanding the history, just like we understand the history of bourbon and mm-hmm. what's in it and where it goes. And is it rye? Is it whiskey? You know, what, what's happening there? I mean, I think it really gets us to a really, really solid spot. So uh, anyway, uh, getting to the home place of anything is like kind of just on my list, right? Like I want to get to Mexico and, and learn about all of the agave spirits oh, and gosh. like, yeah, tequila is my hey, second love. Hey, um, hey, hey, listen, okay, chapter two. So, <laughs> hey, so, so, so this is chapter two. Um, the, the next place you visit for vacation needs to be Oaxaca and you got to go on a mezcal trip. Uh, I did it a few years ago and it was so eye opening. And Oaxaca is like, uh, it, it's a, a booming metropolis is probably not the right way to frame it up, but it is, but it, it's a foodie scene. It's a cocktail yeah. scene and agave spirits. I mean, we could talk satols. I mean, we, we could get into so many different things. Uh, we're, we'll save that for another show, but that's, uh, yeah. I mean, Oaxaca, put it on your list. That it, it, it's a, I, I, I keep trying to sneak onto the single barrel trips for El Tesoro so that I can get a Latina. And like, mm. I, I want to be able to, <laughs> yes. Uh, Car- Carlos Camarena is one of the most immaculate storytellers. Um, you know, we talk about Fred No, and he is an immaculate storyteller. And honestly, probably the two people that I would want to listen to to the most about everything, family and, and spirits <laughs> would be Carlos and Fred. Wow. And the two of them together are like out of this world. Amazing. Um, I, I had the opportunity to sit down with Carlos and Jenny, uh, his sister, and and listen to them talk about the the brand of El Tesoro and just the process and the family history and everything. And to <laughs> one of my coworkers actually was crying. Uh, I was on the verge of crying because it was just such a beautiful experience and moment. We were also drinking tequila at like ten thirty a.m. But 
Um, you know, listening to my favorite question to ask people is always, if you could only have, um, you know, like one spirit, if you could only have one of your brands, which I, is a, such an unfair question because my answer to it is always just like, it depends on the day and who's buying. But, um, I love asking. That's not, an, that's not no, 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 that's not an, an answer. answer. A- ask, an answer. <laughs> ask Dan the question. You can ask me and then you can answer next. And, okay. Not, well, I, I want to tell you what Carlos answer. said. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. Carl, it was just, it was such a beautiful thing. And I think that when we think about it, right. So like we had tasted through, uh, you know, the Blanco, the Paradiso, we had tasted through the Añejo and the extra Añejo. And then they have like the specialty with their, their single barrel releases. And, and so we asked Carlos, you know, what is it if you could have one? Um, and he said, Blanco hands down. He said, because the Blanco is the art, right. And I thought mm-hmm. that this was one of the most beautiful things that he could have ever said. He said, the Blanco is the art. It's the piece of art. Everything else is just the frame. Mm. And so when you take away the frame, you're left with this beautiful piece of art. And that is our Blanco. And, and I thought that that was absolutely beautiful and special and, and really, you know, telling of how much he appreciates the actual process before it goes into anything else, before there's bells and whistles, you know, before, you know, too much else happens to the liquid itself, you know, but you know, and not to go on a complete El Tesoro tangent, but like they're still using the Tahona wheel, which is not a process that you see very often. That is very quote unquote vintage, if you will, um, you know, in the laborsome way of, of going about it. And so I felt like that was a super beautiful answer. Fred will probably, you know, he, he tends to, to change it up depending on the day and, and where he is and who he's talking to and how he's feeling specifically. Right. Um, because he has lots of favorites. He has, he has a whole plethora. I mean, think about how many brands I cover. Like I cover all American whiskey in our portfolio for the James B. Beam distilling company. <laughs> so it's a lot, it's a lot of whiskey. It's a lot to choose from, but okay. So here's the question. I talk way too much. I've also had caffeine today. So apologies. <laughs> I get like, I always, I warn people and I didn't warn you. I'm a Yankee. I get really excited about whiskey and I whoa, drink whoa, espresso whoa, whoa. a lot. We said, we said no curveballs, and now you're throwing out and I'm a Yankee. Expletives. Expletives. <laughs> we, we can't, can't, can't call it. I, I did, you didn't even look like a baseball player to me. You know, my sister would be really excited about that. My brother-in-law, her husband, would not. Um, I'm, I'm from Western New York. So, oh, like, yeah. I'm a Yankee, but, like, practically Canadian. Which, uh, you can you take go. it however you want. There you go. Hey. <laughs> hey. That was the first joke I learned as a child, is the Canadian alphabet. Yeah, it's because you, your parents had you working at a bar for crying out loud. <laughs> true. I'm sure that probably wasn't the first. It was the first one I remembered and was allowed to tell people. I guess. Um, with so, I guess with socialism, there aren't uh, there aren't child child labor laws, right? I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want. I got paid in ice cream and like bourbon ice cream. <laughs> and then you turned it into <laughs> no bourbon ice cream. Just regular. And then and then you put whiskey in it for crying out loud. Listen, I learned how to hustle people at darts at a very young age. I made my buck. We're fine. It's good. And I also got to do like it was a country western bar, so I got to like hang out with country western stars of yesteryear. Like I don't know how many kids have photos. Name a few. Name a few. Um. So I hung out with like Johnny Paycheck. Holy um, shit. Oh, yeah. Johnny Paycheck. Johnny Paycheck. And I sat on a little bus with Johnny Paycheck and just like shot the shit with him at 
seven, eight years old, just <laughs> hanging out. John Connolly. Hold on. Are you, are you talking about take this job and yep. shove it? I have a shirt signed by I him. Says, take this job and shove it. Wow. Good Lord. Yeah. I, I need, I, <laughs> you've got my email address. Send the picture. God, I hope we're not on Facebook Live. I hope we're not on Facebook Live. I hope we're not on Facebook Live. By the way, uh, what do you do? <laughs> now you're just cut. <laughs> Copywritten, done. Hey, and if you didn't make it all the way to the end of this chat, uh, we we said we we're going to make this quick and concise, and uh, you know, going to get the details out, and then here we are, which I think is perfectly fine by me. I don't know, Beth, are you okay? It's fine. It's like what we've been at this for an hour and twenty or so. Yeah, yeah. that's nothing. We're yeah. good. Uh, Johnny, holy shit, Johnny! You know he was in prison at one time. Mm-hmm. He killed a man. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, Johnny Paycheck literally killed, but it was self-defense. So he got, it's like a manslaughter charge kind of thing. But I love Johnny Paycheck. Give me, give me two more country music singers that you got a picture with or that you at least uh, hung out with. Johnny Paycheck, John Connolly. Those were the two that I like remember. I remember that my dad, um, he passed on having the, the Dixie Chicks, now known as just the Chicks, um, <laughs> before they took off, mm-hmm. like before it was like a thing, before they had like really gotten that first you know album out there. I just remember him going, you know, I don't, I don't really feel it. It's not really, not really my thing. I don't, I don't really know about it. Nice. Um, they passed on them, and then like three months later, they had their massive hits, and I'm singing every which way but loose about every song that they have. Um, so I always thought that that was funny. I'm just, I'll ask him every now and again, be like, how you feel about passing on this Dixie chicks, right? Like <laughs> Dan, Dan, you make great note. decisions, dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dan, mental, mental note. Uh, when, uh, when Beth drops her bumper, I mean, we got to go take this job and shove it. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. 100%. 100%. Just, I mean, it's Johnny. That was one of the cool, that was, that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, and I didn't really know at the time just how, you know, amazing of an experience that it was. Cause you're, you're young and it, it's just, you think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Like I knew that it was something special that most people weren't doing, but if I was telling my friends, Hey, I just, you know, sat on a, a bus with Johnny Paycheck. They're like, what? Right? Like who? If that happened today, somebody's calling the cops. <laughs> oh, God. Well, he's also um, dead and gone. So I feel like that's like a whole another level Noted. of chaos. All right. So, so, so I got to try to one up you and you'll, you'll know oh, who the guy is. Gosh. Yeah. I got, I got, okay. I got, we never went over the, ga- the ground rules with Beth. So Beth, if you got to go, just say, yeah, I'm still good. Okay. <laughs> no, I, 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 I shouldn't say I, I'm not trying to one up you, but I got to share uh, from the same period. Okay. So, so mom took me to this, uh, like an event hall kind of thing. Wasn't as cool as uh, she had her own bar. She does now, but she didn't then. And I got to sit on boss hogs lap and get a oh, picture. Wow. That's awesome. I was a, a huge fan of that show growing up. I mean, I watched what my parents watched, right? Like it was still, we had three channels of cable. Uh, so. right, no, 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 you didn't have cable. You just had three channels. The same as everybody else. All right? they're, they're exactly. Cable. We have the box TV on the ground, which is like so crazy to me. Like in my age, right. Where I sit as a millennial or whatever you want to call our generation an elder millennial, maybe to some people, I, I also have a lot of siblings. And so my older siblings had a huge influence on me. Um, so I kind of feel like I also belong to the, the Gen X generation just because, you know, by association, oh, they, they you along. Yeah, they did. I was, I was there with them. That was hand-me-down clothes too. And in some capacity, which was, I always loved a lot of people hated hand-me-down clothes. I always thought it was super cool. Cause I was like, cool. Like my sisters now, but, um, 
you know, it's a, it's really weird to think about living in an analog world as well as living in a digital world. Like I have a child who's 16. He, I say things sometimes where he's like, you, what that, that happened? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm just like, I'm 34. Like I'm not, by any means, and I remember thinking at 16 that 34 was just like, oh my gosh, right? Like, you can't well, fathom. Well, I'm dead. Well, I'm dead now. <laughs> right? Like, that's so close to 40. Like, and, and I, <laughs> I'm 30, 34 and I have like nothing figured out. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a funny thing because you, when you live it, and I, I always kind of take a step back and I'm like, you've only lived 16 years. This is the oldest you've ever been. It's, you know, the experience of the people around you is exactly the same as you. You know, and every adult that talks to you, you just feel like it's completely out of touch because how could they possibly know? He did tell me that I might be moderately cool because I have TikTok um, and he doesn't use TikTok, but he thinks that I might be in touch because like the kids have TikTok and I do too. Um, I don't use it. I just watch it and only on Saturdays because it's a rabbit hole. I, I've got rules and boundaries. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's weird with all of us now who have lived in an analog generation as well as a, a digital one. And just thinking about the differences. I mean, even in the past, what, like 18 months, two years, right. This would have never happened. Like, could you imagine if, if the, the COVID pandemic happened in like 95, mm. right. Or like, had why you pay this? What's what's it? Uh, well, it's called Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's called. Hundred percent. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I, that's a, another random tangent. But I just I always think it's kind of kind of crazy to to take that moment to say you know this is this is where we are now and how cool it is that we have a foot in the past but also a foot in the future. Mm, good point. Uh Beth Burrows, so hold on before we before we get into our fun stuff. Dan okay. has This hasn't has been fun. A, Dan What? Well, I, I mean, judge it for yourself. Who? I, I'm oh, having yeah. fun. Cal, are you not having fun? I mean, I've been I've been drinking. No, we've had a great time. Oh, no, no. He's just talking about our fun, our fun little whimsical, whimsical kind of questions. I just said it in the chat because, because uh, you know, I feel like when I sent you the message and I'm like, hey, I want to help promote, uh, you know, who you are and what you do for the company. And I feel like I have completely, completely derailed <laughs> anything about Beam Suntory and promoting the brand on here. And I'm, no, we, 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 we are getting to know, uh, not derail, I mean, not in a derogatory way. We got into it, yeah. Uh, but we've been yeah. getting to know Beth Burroughs because it's oftentimes, I bet, that you're sitting there, it's like I get to talk about the brand, and that's that, that, that's the job, and that's what we have to do. But the fun part for Dan and I are getting to know the person behind the scenes. Who's the person behind the scenes that is really that person that's delivering the message? And uh, I would like to say, number one, thank you so much. We're not going anywhere. We still got some time. Uh, thanks for chatting with us and thanks for being open and just being uh, transparent. I mean, that that's I think that's really an important thing in, in what we're doing in the whiskey world. Well, I say we what you're doing in the whiskey world is being transparent about what's in the what's in the bottle, what you're putting in the glass and how you're drinking and how it's going down. But <clears> in a minute, we're going to get to some fun stuff and we're going to the, okay. the curveballs are coming. But before we do that, uh, please uh, take a minute or two or however long you want to promote yourself, to promote the brand, Beam Centauri, the port sessions, however you'd like to do that. Beth. <laughs> 
I mean, I one, thank you for having me. It's been it's been super awesome to kind of just be able to sit and drink with you all virtually and and talk about all the things, right? Likewise, from yeah. from <laughs> A to Johnny Paycheck. Um, but <laughs> you know, I I think that being able to show, show I can't see what you're pointing at. It's Willie Nelson, but I mean oh, kind of same category. I mean same era. Um but yeah, it's it's one, I'm very lucky because I get to show up authentically in my job every single day, right? Like I am embraced to be myself and my opinions and, and what I bring to this position are taken into account. You know, they matter. People want me to show up authentically. I'm encouraged to, to be myself, um, in, in all scenarios. And I think that that allows me to do my job in a way, uh, that is super authentic and, and can be relatable. I mean, I'm a person, right. And I, I deal with people on a daily basis. And so being able to connect with folks is one of my favorite things about the job, learning, you know, about people and how they got into whiskey and where they are in their whiskey journey and, you know, comparing and contrasting and, and not a negative way, right? Like just a, in a positive space of, you know, where are you, where do you want to go? You know, how did you get into enjoying whiskey? I always love finding out like where they got their first pour, their first cocktail, mm. because it's, it just shows how people step into this world in different and unique spaces. Um, but how we're all very similar, right? Cause we're all on this, the same journey, just in different, you know, parts of it. So I have, I have the opportunity to show up very authentically and, and I appreciate that. And honestly, I've grown as a person in this role in the last five and a half years, because I, I have the opportunity to be authentic and figuring out what that means. Um, you know, how I want to talk about whiskey, what my mission is in this role, you know, while I'm in it, um, for as long as I'm, I'm going to be in it, which is hopefully for a very long time, or at least, you know, in some capacity in dealing like, this is where I want to, to finish out my career. Cause it doesn't feel like a job. Um, I, I don't ever see myself not being in, in the whiskey space or talking to people about their whiskey journeys or, you know, representing being Suntory, hopefully, you know, because this is home for me. Um, these brands are home for me. I, I truly feel, um, very passionate about the history and, and the beam family lineage. And that's not to say that I don't feel passionately about other, other families and brands and, you know, but, but this just feels like home for me. Um, and, and the bourbon business as a whole feels like home, right? Like we've got our, our brethren over at wild Turkey, right. Who are very close to us and family, you know, spending time with, with their brand ambassadors has, has been an opportunity that I have had that has been amazing. Like going out and getting cocktails with people or, or sharing pours or, you know, even being traveling together on the road and in the same spaces, um, with Jimmy Russell being one, an absolute icon in this entire industry, but also like a second father to Fred, you know, and, and sure. he was on the road with Booker. And, and again, that was when bourbon tourism or like bourbon, uh, celebrity really started. And, and those were some of the first guys who were out there in the world as these bourbon celebrities and they were doing it together. Um, other, you know, brand ambassadors like Bernie lovers at heaven Hill, who was with beam for a period of time. And, you know, Bernie and I try to, to go out and grab a cocktail. We're in the same city. So we, we have that opportunity to grab a cocktail together. And, um, I learned so much from him and in the way that he approaches, um, how he tells the whiskey story and, and about his whiskey journey. Right. And so all of those things to say that, um, I feel very, very fortunate that I am in the position that I'm in. And I feel very fortunate that I'm able to grow in myself and, and in my whiskey journey through this opportunity. So 
now that being said too, you know, Beam Suntory as a whole has offered me so many different opportunities. I was in Japan in 2020. I got to see everything that Suntory is doing um, and, and really experience an immersive culture in Japan to understand that part of, of uh, you know, the whiskey category and um, literally life-changing trip. And then the world shut down. Uh, it was, it was absolutely chaotic um, and amazing, but you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool job. Oh, people are always like, Oh my gosh, your job is so awesome. And, and all I can usually say is, you know, it doesn't suck. Um, it, it doesn't suck to, to do this. It's, it's a really the whiskey ain't bad either. The whiskey ain't bad either. Um, but no, it, it's, it's really, really cool. And, um, being able to see what the next steps look like to, to have this time with Fred, to have time with Baker bean, who I haven't even touched on, but I'm, I'm sipping, you know, Baker's right now. Baker has been a huge part of, of my whiskey journey over the last five and a half years. Um, getting that time to spend with him, to just chat about the history and listen to his stories. And the man never forgets a name. You know, he'll be talking about 1958 and he'll just pull out such and such name of, of some person that he worked with who he has a, a respect for and has never forgotten. And, um, you know, I, it, it started when, I first got on, uh, these brands, which is another tangent, but whatever, we're, we're here. You're, you're on this journey with me. Tangent uh, on, tangent <laughs> on, young lady, tangent on. So, um, when I, when I first got into this role and was trying to figure out, you know, what it was that I was going to do and how I was going to do, uh, you know, my step out into the world in this role, um, one of the things that I noticed is, you know, Baker's has been a, a brand that I've loved for a while. Um, it was something that I, I loved behind the stick. It was a really, you know, under known and underappreciated, I think brand. Um, what was that? You know, keep, keep talking. I'm going to get oh. the bakers off the shelf. In the oh, oh, perfect. Talking. Keep talking. <laughs> Bring it out. Bring it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, with, um, with bakers as a whole, you, know, I already had a respect for the brand. I already really enjoyed it. I, I loved showcasing it to people. Um, because they probably hadn't tasted it before. And I also loved meeting other people who loved bakers before it was a thing that people really loved openly, right? It was it was almost like a test of who was there with me on where I was in my journey. Um, and so that was always really fun for me. So when I got on onto the brands and, and got this position, I had this opportunity to meet Baker and spend time with him and, and really just, yeah, there we are. There's that Baker 7. Well, how old is yours? Since it's a single barrel, it's, it changes. It's on the Necker. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm a seven-year, three months. Seven-year, uh, three. Okay, awesome. I'm, I'm 03, 2013. What are you drinking? Um, So mine that I just filled is, let's see, eight years, six months. Showing off again, are you? Mm-hmm. You know, I do what I can. Um, but yeah, so so had that opportunity and, and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how I could do things. And I just I thought that it was really crazy that most people didn't know that Baker Bean was a man, um, like a real true live human. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that he was still alive if they did know that he was, you know, a real human. So um I wanted to celebrate his birthday. So it was his 81st birthday and that first year of me being in my position. And I said, you know, his birthday is on July 31st. He said, I want to throw kind of like a party for him in a couple different spots, right? Where we would just kind of have people have the brand there, talk a little bit about, you know, 
where this brand is, where it came from, how Baker fell into the lineage. It allowed me to give an education to people about the Beam family lineage and not just our master distillers, but some of the other distillers who have been a part of our process. Because, you know, there's Beam made bourbon, right? Like there is a Beam in just about every piece of bourbon historically in recent history. It, it, I mean, out of the, call it what, a big five or six or whatever you want to call it. I mean, hasn't there been a Beam at every single distillery? Pretty much, yeah. Kentucky, it's, yeah. Yeah, and still to this day, you know, there's beams and, and the beam still lineage involved. that are, yeah, yeah in, in different distilleries. And so um, I, I think it's really important that we take a look at it, just the breadth of, of how many people worked in this industry to help create what it is that we have. And so um, with Baker, I, I had that opportunity and, and spending that time with him to learn about the history because he lived it. I mean, he was born on property. He was born at the distillery. He lived at the distillery. He lives a mile from the distillery now. Um, and so we celebrated his 81st birthday. Um, I threw a party for him at one of the local bars that, that's near his home and he popped in. And What cocktail did you serve? What, what, was, um, think, what, what was the birthday cocktail? I feel like we did an old fashioned with him. Nice. Um, and we had a lot of Baker's meat, right? Baker's on the rocks. Um, and it was really, you know, any, any damn way you please, right? Whatever you wanted. Um, but we had the opportunity for like his family members to come um, that maybe don't necessarily come to all of the different things that we have at the distillery specifically. Um, we had his high school friends who were still with us. Some um, of them showed up, yeah. um, you know, just, just different people from his life that were able to gather together. And unfortunately um, his partner at the time, he had lost, you know, just before his 81st birthday. And so we were able to set aside a table for Miss Shirley, um, you know, that just kind of paid homage to her and her legacy and time with him. And uh, you know, he has, he has a partner now, Miss Mary, who is absolutely amazing as well. And so getting to, to know her and spend time with her has been great. Um, but, you know, just, just being able to do that with him has, was a, a step into a direction that was really, really cool. Um, and then, so each year I, I throw a party for Baker and whether that be virtually over the last couple of years, or I always go see him um, at the house on his birthday. Cause I want to drop off a, you know, a cake. He loves his sweets. So usually there's a, a cake or a pie or something sweet involved in, have a Baker's or a Baker's and Pepsi with him. Cause if it's before five o'clock, you have to drink it with Pepsi or else, you know, it might be a problem after five o'clock. You can always, you know, just go ahead and have that straight pour. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were able to celebrate his 85th birthday this year. And, um, it, it's just become kind of a, a thing that I am super, super lucky and very fortunate to be able to do. Um, we were able to launch the Baker's single barrel select program this year. So there were 35 single barrels that went out um, as personal selections across the U S wow. um, and that was a really cool experience. It was a lot older. Um, it was over 11 years. So that's out in the world. If you can get your hands on it in a couple different States. Um, and so getting to spend that time with him too, like I got many a COVID test so that I could spend time with Baker and make sure that I was doing it in a safe and, you know, keep him healthy at all costs kind of way. So um, I've been able to photograph him, um, you know, for different things that we've done. And so that's a really special and unique relationship. And of course, my time with Fred and Freddie has been immaculate and special as well. Um, and again, I'm just, I'm really, really freaking fortunate y'all like that. I, I have this opportunity to be with these legends and these upcoming legends, um, and this legacy and not necessarily be a member of the family, but, you know, get to be, in this adjacent line of, of seeing what they get to do and, and be close to it. So 
Real time. Yeah, it, that, that's so cool. Uh, I, I do have to make a, uh, a just a shameless uh, comment. And it's like, hey, what'd you hurt? And it's like, my nose. <laughs> but but for different reasons. It was the COVID test. It wasn't the you know, yeah, 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 yeah. other reasons. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I've had all the COVID tests. All of them. <laughs> you got you to gotta make sure. Like, it, it's been one of those things, right? Like, if I was going to be around people, I had to make sure that I was doing it in a very healthy and safe way. And we always kept distance. We always made sure that we were masked up. Um, but to have the opportunity to, um, you know, be with him and ask the questions and get this real time history from him because he lived it, uh, you know, his, his archives of things that he has that I have been able to, to go through him with, you know, the pictures, the documents, um, just really, really a special amount of things. Um, and you'll see some of that at the distillery and in the new opening, like we've been able to display some of those things in different spaces. Um, and, and also again with Fred and Freddie and, and hearing about what it was like to, to live with Booker, because unfortunately I got into the business after Booker, um, you know, left this plane. So I, I get to hear vicariously through other people about him and, and the way that he, you know, moved through the world and, and really established his mark in, in American whiskey. And so, you know, it's just, it's a really, it's a really a cool experience, um, to be able to do this. I will say though, I was telling somebody this yesterday. I didn't realize like my first step into whiskey, um, when I was like 16, my parents, we had moved to Kentucky. My parents wanted to kind of see what bourbon was about. And so we went to the, the Jim Beam distillery and this was before they had tours before it was like a thing. Um, but the house on the Hill is where Fred's office was. And, um, I, I don't know how or why, but we were able to like knock on the door <laughs> and, and Fred like let us in and led my parents through this whiskey tasting and what is now his office. Wow. Um, hold and hold on. This is when you, you were a teenager. I didn't drink. They drank. No, no, but no. Like, but you were a teenager at the place yeah. that you now are. And I know yeah. yeah. Wow. It's, it's a real full circle. When I say it feels like home and everything feels very kismet, uh, it really does. Like it feels like, this is where I'm meant to be in the space that I'm meant to be in it. And I, again, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I don't know, like, yes, I've put in a lot of work, but I, I still don't feel like I've earned this. Like it, it feels very special every single day to, to be in this space in this time. So yeah. Well, Dan, Dan's looking to leave a podcast and I'm looking for a new co-host. So uh, <laughs> I mean, if you got some free time, I'll talk about the golf stuff. You can talk about all the booze stuff and uh, you know, Dan, it's good to know you. <laughs> I have a really great golf bag. It's a leather golf bag. Whoa, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on here. Let, let's rain. Let's rain this in, Beth. Let's rain okay. it in. Uh, so first off, before we get into some fun stuff, uh, I don't uh, No, it has been, it's been completely fun. And this baker's like, I'm getting like this bacon smoky, wow. Like mm-hmm. the smoked bacon, uh, or maybe like uh, some kind of uh, smoked ham. On I'm still tasting it, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, but I'm getting this like this uh, this oily gravy smoked ham taste on the, the, this finish of this. It baker. sips differently than everything else in the portfolio. Wow. It really. Absolutely. I always tell people, uh, you know, Baker's is, is great for a multitude of reasons, but if you're a Scotch drinker. And you're trying to step your foot into to bourbon. That's a it's that's a, a good. Yeah, this is it. It's a hard transition, right? Because bourbon tends to be overwhelmingly sweet. sweet. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Scotch yeah, drinkers. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Or so if, this, you're an, if yeah. you're an Irish whiskey, if you're like, hey, I don't like the peat, and I'm an Irish whiskey person, but I want to yep. get into, uh, I want to get into bourbon. Like this one is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It has a bit more oomph, I think, if you're stepping from the Irish whiskey category. Not that that doesn't have a lot of complexity; it really does. But that proof of 107 might, you know, knock you a little bit harder than uh, you're used to uh, coming from the Irish whiskey category. But you Dan, know, Dan's an old pro. Danny boy, he's an old pro. <laughs> <There you laughs> go. Okay, so hold on. So I, we got some questions. We got, we got to get okay. through this. Uh, not in a bad way, in a positive way. Uh, how, so as a as a bartender, how do you mm-hmm. feel about me asking for a egg in my cocktail and I want no yolk? Yeah, egg white for sure. I always have fresh eggs behind the bar um, with me at all times, not like carrying them with me in my car or anything. But uh, next if to I'm the gonna straws, be cocktail things. <laughs> <laughs> next to the straws, you know, just have a little a little palette in the back of all the things that I keep. No, um, but I I prefer my whiskey sours with an egg white. Um, I enjoy playing in those spaces. I think that it adds a. a silkiness and a different viscosity it changes the way that you sip um now i'm not going to turn my nose up at a whiskey sour that doesn't have it in there but if i'm i'm looking at preferred ways of sipping it yeah we're gonna throw that in there i love a fizz i love a fizz Mm -hmm. that 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 that's probably my favorite cocktail and i don't order it because i feel like i'm being an asshole when i do most people, if you're at a craft cocktail bar, um, they expect for that to be the way that it's prepared. Or, I mean, just just ask, right? Ask them if they have the ability to do it. And a lot of times it's not going to be egg white. It might be aquafaba. It might be, you know, a different way of creating that same effect, but doing it in a way that's not dairy or um, a little bit more effective for them behind the bar, right? And, and far as far as like... A, you know, quickness of crafting cocktails. So Dan, during this therapy session, I've got uh, 30, I had 37 questions. That was, uh, that was my first one. So now I only have 36. So I'm going to pass the ball to you and uh, Dan now on the tee. Well, Kala, yeah. first off, I hope you learned a little bit of passion from her because, I mean, obviously, you know, she started at like 16 at this place and, you know, she's been working her way up and we, we heard all about her taproot and what happened there and how she got started. Uh, you tried to punch your way through some embargoes and she wouldn't talk at all about what's coming up in the future, you know, so that's great. But no, seriously, so... Um, you did say you had a leather, a leather bag. We'd like to ask people what their favorite club is in the bag. But for you, what is your go-to cocktail? Uh, you know, what's your, what's your go-to one? In terms of um, like you, I, you make it home. If I'm golfing? When you, when you oh, make it home. I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> um, during the summer, it tends to be a paper plane. I, I keep all the ingredients for a paper plane on hand. It's one of my absolute favorite cocktails. It's a modern classic, which is kind of a crazy thing that like it was created in in the mid 2000s and it, it's made its way into kind of like this classic cocktail culture um so yeah that, that's probably a, a pretty standard go-to for me highball during the summer and spring as well um okay. has been a, a huge thing for me i mean we've started moving into to highball culture as a whole with being beam centauri um, so that's been something that I've, I've enjoyed playing with, um, figuring out which soda water I like best or, you know, what my, uh, my golden ratio for that is. Um, speaking of golden ratio, there's a cocktail called the golden hour with Basil Hayden that I've actually really been enjoying. It's got Basil Hayden, uh, Lillet Blanc and, uh, Aperol. And that's a, a nice, like almost kind of adjacent to a paper plane. Right. But not as bold with the whiskey because of the Blanco proof, right? Boulevardier. 
Yeah, essentially. <laughs> what but, anyway, you, but you're serving it on the rocks, yeah. What are you making for cocktails for around Thanksgiving and the holidays? Um, so I tend to move into uh, my, my old fashions. I settle into old fashions during the winter time. I also really enjoy, uh, we do a, a cranberry mule. So mm. I craft like a cranberry cardamom simple syrup. Um, so I'll do that with, usually it, it's a Jim Beam Black um, because I'm making it for a large group of people. Um, so I do Jim Beam Black, cranberry cardamom syrup, little bit of lime, and then top it off with your ginger beer. And I usually soak some cranberries and Jim Beam Black um, maybe a little bit of rosemary, just toast some rosemary on top of it. And that's a, it's a crowd pleaser. It's an easy sipper. It's a easily batchable cocktail, um, that I can, you know, serve to, to the family. I got a big family, man. So awesome. I, uh, <laughs> you, you like smoking all that stuff. So, uh, are uh, you that's, ever, still, that's uh, still my question, Scott. I'm, oh, just, I'm just kidding. Mind, go, just never, go, I'm just never, kidding. Go ahead, Dan, go ahead, Joe. Dan, you, you, Dan, you, you won the hole. You have the box. You go won ahead, the hole. No, go ahead. You go, Cal. You first, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. All right. So, um, you mentioned this several times though, and I'm asking for a friend, Cal, um, Tell us what are tricks with cherries in cocktails? How do you make the cherries better? I mean, um, it depends on what kind of cherry you're looking at, right? Like for me, I stay away from maraschino cherries. Um, they are one, I think I ate a lot of them as a child Mm -hmm. and I just, I, I got to the point to where like, they're not my favorite thing anymore. They used to be. Right. Um, but also maraschino cherries are considered a garnish, not even a real food. (laughs) So, um, true statement. Uh, so I kind of, I step away from them. Um, I do love like the Luxardo and Marina cherries. I think that those are, are fantastic, absolutely delicious cherries. Um, so I, I tend to use those in like old fashions and things like that. There's, there's different ones out there on the market now that have been soaked or infused or whatever. All of those are fun, um, to play around with and just kind of see if you're going to use a, I like when like when is cherry season? I've, I'm forgetting it right now. Uh, but when it's, cherries, it's, in, it's, it's in like the fall. spring. It's in the fall. But is it fall? I thought there was thought. a spring and a fall. Maybe it's never mind. Spring. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Whenever cherries are in season, um, I tend to make simple syrups with them. Um, mm. Or sometimes I will just cut them in half and take the pit out and then allow them to soak in the whiskey. Mm. And then you have, you know, an infused cherry of your own. Sometimes it's nice to just have that nice, bright cherry note, right? When you're, when you're crafting a cocktail, you can muddle it in. And so you get a little bit more of that bitterness versus the sweetness. Cause you know, regular cherries aren't, aren't always the sweetest. Um, and it adds just a different depth and complexity, but still allowing for that cherry flavor. Um, and then you've always got things like cherry hearing or Luxardo maraschino in order to, to craft with, if you don't have them in, in time and place. Okay, Cal, go ahead. It's definitely, it's de- it, it, it says the first cherry harvest starts October, November. Okay, perfect. There you however, go. Done however, done. however, however, late February does also produce uh, bountiful harvests. Yeah. I felt like, yeah, like red cherries come at one time and there's like the yellow cherries that come as well, like more in like the spring, summer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually I'm thinking we could just say yes. We can all get along. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Rolodex of, I have to look at it though. Like I have, um, what's in season when, because mm. I try to craft with things that are in season, um, as best as I possibly can. So winter months, I think. Cool. Yeah. Ish. Ish. It's when I walk into Kroger and they're sitting in the front pallet. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, by, by the way, Kroger, uh, no free advertisements. Uh, go ahead and uh, hit us up 
on uh, you can hit us up at IG at, at birdies underscore bourbon. That'd be great. We'd, we'd be more than happy to promote. Or Whole Foods or whoever. whoever <laughs> you or, 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 or you could you could hit us up at uh, Beth. Do tell. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Your local flea markets, whatever. Where I'm, you want to know where I am on the on the interwebs. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you okay. tell people. I, I've got no, I, I'd be more than happy to. If you're on Instagram, I'm at Bourbon Bella on Instagram. Um, that's an easy place to find me. If you want to really see like what I'm up to and kind of my day to day happenings, that's usually where I'm at is on Insta. That's where I stalked her out. I can't lie. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, challenging question. Uh, you don't, you cannot make, you don't know agave shit. But moving, moving away from that, we're talking okay. about whiskey or bourbon, whiskey or bourbon. If you're not drinking a bean product, what are you drinking? So I will preface this by saying I do not sip outside of my brand house as often as I should, um, especially over the last little bit, just because of what I have in majority, like in the spaces around me tend to be a lot of, um, you know, my, my brands. Um, I would say... It's usually in the. Oh, I'm gonna say out of, out of beam centauri because I'm gonna say in the Japanese whiskey category. What's the I absolutely last love. thing that you had that wasn't in the beam centauri portfolio that you enjoyed? How about that? Uh, I introduced a friend to Wilderness Trail Rye. Hmm, huh. Nice barrel pick I find or it, uh, just uh, the their offering general offering. It was the barrel pick at Jack Rose. Hmm, nice. So I was I was sitting at Jack Rose and um, walking through. It was a very weird flight that we went through. Uh, just because it was fun and different. We drank uh overholt that was distilled in 48. Uh, it was one of their rare bottles. Um, we sipped rye one just because I had it on the back bar and nobody has rye one. Um, we stepped wilderness trail. We tried another barrel pick of theirs. It's escaping me right now, but um, I, I find that wilderness trail rye, uh, it, I was at an event and one of their folks was next to me and we kind of just switched samples a couple of years ago. And it, it hit me as such a unique rye uh, and really just at a floral, very different way um, than a lot of the ryes on the market. And so I always find it as one of the more interesting ryes and, and I enjoy introducing other people in the, the rye family or people that really love rye to it just to kind of get their opinion on it as well. So I'd say that was probably the last one that I sipped and I do enjoy, enjoy sipping that one. Um, I enjoy, I mean, lots of different things. My favorite used to be Elijah Craig 12, but that was like 2014. And I honestly don't know if I've had it since then. Um, but that was always a really special, you know, place in my heart, kind of, kind of liquid. So good. Favorite, the uh, most interesting thing that you experienced uh, from a whiskey category as your, with your trip to uh, Japan? Um, so we had the opportunity to not only see all sorts of amazing uh, distilleries and, and spend time with these amazing icons and titans, um, but in the Suntory office in Japan, it's the seventh floor, and uh, that's where like all of, of the big things in Suntory whiskey happen. And we had the opportunity to walk the floor, to walk into the, the offices of some of these people who are incredibly influential in, in our Japanese whiskey category as a whole and also at Suntory. Uh, but we got to walk into the blending room, and, and that blending room was one of the coolest experiences to see just where the magic happens um, and just to see how many different uh, whiskeys, you know, were out there and available 
for them to to play with in in, in what they had been doing. Um, and then other than that. It's a weird, fun story, but this is going to tell you kind of the person that I am. So oh boy. Uh, we we had an opportunity to go to this bed and breakfast uh, in the hills of Hakushu. Um So it's like up in the hills where there's like a little bit of snow and it's frosty and absolutely amazing. And and I had a headache at the, the time that we got there. And so we all get in our rooms. I think it's like an eight room bed and breakfast. We're all in them. Like it's just our group of people. It's run by a husband, wife and their son. Um and they do everything there. Like they had an apiary in the back. Um, they were friends with people down the road who were, you know, farmers or, uh, hunters or whatever it might be. So like everything that we ate, which is a meal that they crafted for us in front of us, like literally everything was cooked in front of us, um, in this back room, uh, had been procured in the last 24 to 48 hours. So everything was literally the freshest it could have been, you know, the fishermen brought in the fit. Like it was just, it was a whole thing. Anyway, so I had this headache and I lay down in the room and I turned the heater off cause I don't like to be hot. I would much rather be cold and covered in blankets. Um, but didn't realize that that was like sustaining the heat of my room and it was very cold outside. Okay. And so I woke up and it was, it was so chilly and so dark and I had gone to sleep in a very warm and very bright atmosphere. Um, and so I, I wake up and I'm like, did Are I you die? Upset? I mean, was it a bad? Was it a no? Bad it was amazing. It was amazing, but it was one of those where, like you're groggy, you're coming out of a headache, and I was just like, "Did I die? Like, <laughs> is this like a real?" <laughs> That's why I said you're gonna figure out who I am as a person. And I'm a very weird person, um, and I like I walk out, and everybody else was like Wait, not in their room. <laughs> it's a very like apparent thing when you meet me. I am. Um, my mom used to say, "It doesn't matter what you call yourself. You're weird." Um, <laughs> I like to prefer unique, but whatever, it's fine. Um, but you know, like I, I walk out into this space and all of my friends that I'm, I'm on this trip with are all at this long table in a dining hall. Um, like in that hall. I mean, it's like a room. It's just like this dining room and, yeah. and you know, everybody just kind of looks at me and they're like, Hey, and they all raise a glass and they're all excited because I, you know, I've been gone for a minute and, and I'm like, wait, did, like, what is happening right now? Right. Like it just felt weird. I got like this nice warm embrace from one of my friends. And then we all walk out and we walk to this back space and we have this immaculate dinner that I cried no less than five times at zero joke. I'm an emotional person, but that was an emotional dinner. Um, you, you, you know, haven't cried on the show yet. <laughs> I didn't, you haven't made me cry. Thank you for that. We're working on it. But it was just, it was such a special experience to be able to experience all of those things, to, to have this amazing family and their hospitality, to bring us into their space and their home, to craft these, you know, amazing dishes for us, that it didn't matter what it was that I, like, I was like, it doesn't matter what proclivities I have and, and what I enjoy eating versus what I don't enjoy eating or what I typically don't eat. I am literally eating everything because when I'm going to have this opportunity again, right? Um, and so we did this, this immaculate dinner and then they had fires rolling um, you know, next to it outside in this enclosure. And so then we had this night of just like sitting around this bonfire and, uh, you know, sipping amazing different whiskeys and, and you know, eating desserts and, and sharing about this experience that we've all been, you know, experiencing while we're in Japan and, and all the things that we had done during the day, we sat in a hot spring, uh, you know, it, in this wonderful but space, moving, of, but it but it, it moved it like it moved you inside. I mean, it like, it, it, oh, it, it, that was a life-changing trip. Life-changing. Wow. Friends forever with everyone on that trip. Like the things that we experienced and the way that we experienced it, it was just, it was such a special, special time. Um, but like after it was over, I looked at everybody and I was like, I'm pretty sure we died in a bus crash. Like, I feel like 
this was a welcoming to heaven. This was our first meal, like in the Netherlands. Oh, awesome. Like this yeah. was, you know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's a running joke now that we died in Japan. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's just like this, this really, really cool experience that we all got to be together. We all got to experience together. Um, you know, we got to drink water that I honestly have never drank better water than what I was drinking off of the hills in Japan. Wow. You know, they, they take water is such a, a precious commodity, which it is, which we all should do. Right. Um, the preservation of, of our water resources is, is so, and purity of our water resources is so important. Um, so to be able to taste that water directly, you know, from the source and, and hear about what they're doing as far as sustainability efforts, um, to see these distilleries and the capacity that they are to, to compare and contrast what that looks like to American whiskey and, and how we, you know, go through our process and our aging process and, and what that looks like. So, um, that was a lot to tell you that like, it was a life-changing trip. It was a lot of really great experiences all rolled into one. Um, and I am beyond fortunate, especially that that was, I took a couple of trips, uh, stateside after that, but that was my real big trip. And then the world shut down, like mm -hmm. everything stopped in March. Oh, no, no, now you wind up with us, <laughs> which I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> no tears yet, but, uh, uh, they're there. Hey, on the working on it. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, how about, how about let's, let's go back to this golf, this leather golf bag that yeah. you have. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have clubs in the leather golf bag i have a couple but it's been a while since i've been out like there's something about it that where people just i guess feel like i don't golf um or that i i, I don't want to like it's a very much a guy's club a lot of the time i feel no, like no, people no, around no, me. no 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 it no, shouldn't no, no. be no no I, I'm, be. I'm going right back to uh speed uh oh uh, i've got it i've got it uh speed rack yeah. Golf, golf is not a men's sport. It's an everybody's what? sport. It is everybody's sport at speed rec. Uh, I was a country club rec. kid. I was on the golf team. When oh, I was wow. Younger and, oh, cool. Uh, so you got been, some game. Oh, uh, I used to, um, I will say I'm very competitive though. So no matter where you put me in a sports arena, I'm going to try to like beat <laughs> everyone and everything. Like, uh, we were in, Boston and we got to do uh, a cocktail event on a driving range and an amazing golf course in Boston. And, uh, so we ended up out there and I definitely wasn't dressed for the occasion because I was dressed to be a presenter. So I kicked my shoes off. You're going to learn one thing about me is that I, if I have the opportunity to go barefoot, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> I kicked my shoes off. I'm in a dress. I'm just out there swinging a club and, and seeing what we can do as far as, uh, you know, how far I can make it on the driving range. So mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, so, the, so there's two things that we have to do. Two things you have to do. One, we have to agree that this wasn't like it wasn't a shitty first date. Can we all agree on that? It was fun. Positive. Positive. Would swipe uh, right again, right? You're supposed to swipe right. I don't know. I'm not on the dating apps. Hey, as long as you swipe as positive. The second thing we have to do is we have to agree that like, ooh, that was fun. We got to do this again. I'm here. You there just you let go. me know. Awesome. Um, hold on, hold on just a second before we go, before we go, before we get out of here, because, oh my, I mean, I could sit here until the wee hours of the night uh, and yeah, run every fucking follower or fan that we have off and completely, <laughs> completely like, uh, get whatever. I'm kidding. captivating. The only thing <laughs> on best mind right now, Cal, is she has no idea how you got back in the country from Wakaka. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 
Why are you so? I had, I had glasses on. It's because Oaxaca lotted him out. That's what happened. That's what it was. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly. They said, "Hey, scan it with your eyes," and I said, "Okay." <laughs> uh, okay, Beth. Uh, oh my God, Beth Burrows. Um, I don't even know what to say, except for uh, the answer is yes. I want to do it again. And okay. I, w- I want to do it on the golf course and you won't be able to make it there. It's too short a time. Um, we're heading to Pinehurst in two weeks. We're going to spend some time there and uh, some good friends of ours. I wish I had Shane's uh, company that represented Pinehurst right now to be able to talk about that. Yeah. I don't because I don't know that we're going down this road, but however, do you have it? Uh, Dan, do you have it? I don't, uh, I don't have it. Not in front of me, but no. I don't, I don't, I don't have it, uh, but I would love, I would love to go down. <laughs> I, we, we've made a note, but I've, but I would love to go down to Pinehurst with you, do a live show. You can bring that leather golf bag. <laughs> I need to uh, fill it with more clubs. It, it's the, it's a very bare bones situation right now. My father would be very upset to hear that. Uh, <laughs> we do. <laughs> hey, yeah, they've, yeah. Got, they've got rental sets there. It'll be fine. Uh, we're we're going to be walking and drinking bourbon and they're going to carry our stuff. I, I, I like no shit. I would love to go and do a show with you down there. And uh, like at Pinehurst, I, I think it's probably going to be in the spring is probably going to be the best time when they do their Woodford release. But uh, I can tell you more about new releases then on my brand. Because they'll be out in the world, and I won't get in trouble from our, our PR and legal team. I just want to kill the mic drop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, all I can say is, uh, yeah, cheers. 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 I really appreciate y'all having me on. It's yeah. been fun. Yeah.